Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hi there, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker. And whether you're a regular listener or if this is your first time, welcome. It's great to have you join us here today. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. So on with today's show. We're all at different stages of our professional journey. Some of us are nearer the beginning than the end, and some of us are nearer the end than the beginning. But regardless of where you are, there's always value in your story. And there are always people that have inspired you along the way. My guest on today's podcast is Paul Huage de Seville, owner of the Seville's Salons and School in Auckland, New Zealand. And he is definitely someone who's had an influence on my career right from the beginning. Paul's hairdressing career has spanned over 50 years, but his passion for the industry, combined with his ability to constantly reinvent and learn, is what lays behind his longevity and continued success. He's always been a trailblazer, and his business has never stopped evolving. He isn't just keeping up with the times, but he and his team continue to set a path for others to follow. In today's podcast, we'll discuss the importance of embracing change and evolving as a business, partnerships and business, leadership, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you. Nice to be here. It's nice to connect with you after all these years. Paul, I'm really excited about this. Now, I'm going to just preface this by saying to our listeners that uh, uh, I'm in London at the moment. You're in Auckland, New Zealand, so you're on the opposite side of the world, and there's a little bit of a time delay sometimes. So uh, I'll do my my very best to, to not talk over you. So let's start off with an overview of your background. Who is Paul Huage de Seville? Give us your sort of two or three-minute backstory, and then we'll jump in to you know dig into the detail um well do you want to know from the beginning well you know put it this way you got two or three minutes so you decide yeah okay well i started in 1968 uh 15 and uh went into a salon wanted to get a got i'd heard the salon was amazing got an amazing haircut uh I'd never experienced anything like it. It, was, it made me feel so wonderful about myself that I just decided, oh, my God, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. I want to make people feel that good uh, about themselves. So I went home to my mum and said, I want a job. Mother said, you know what, school's not really happening for you. So if you get a job, go for it. I, they said they didn't have any jobs, so I worked for nothing for three weeks. And by the time they'd finished with that three weeks, I was, I, there was no way they were going to let me go. So they gave me a job and put me on a salary of $500 for the first year. So that is the big thing that's changed the most over the years. <laughs> what, what people sometimes charge now for a haircut, I got for a whole year's work. <laughs> So from there on, I just went, from then on, I just uh, worked uh, very hard, learning, 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 always learning, Uh, always wanted to know everything. Uh, Worked in a, a started off in a a men's salon. And then uh, there was two brothers that came out from New Zealand who were trained at Sassoon's and they, uh, and I thought, my God, they're, they're amazing. They cut like Zorro. And then Flint arrived. Um, and so I, I, I just kept learning, and then from there, have done a lot, you know, yeah, <laughs> traveling the world, teaching, teaching, and you know, and then at about uh, after the global crash, I realised that a lot of my friends, who I felt very sorry for, were losing their businesses or or suffering really badly, and the the reason being is that. None of us had really studied business. So I went into hardcore study 
And um, then, because like I said, I want to learn. And so all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I never thought I'd hear myself say I was just as passionate about business as I was hairdressing. Yeah. So it's been a really great journey for me. So, okay. You know, and at that, at that time, oh, sorry, at that time was an important time for me because we we'd got our, our business to $16 million and weren't making much of a profit. So, you, so your business is only worth you know, three to three and a half times in New Zealand what your profit is. So I realized, oh, my God, looks great from the outside. Yeah, yeah. Inside is not as good. So that was a point. Okay. Well, we've touched on some really important uh, uh, points there, which I know we're going to dig into over the next hour. And, you know, before we started recording, I, I said to you something about, you know, we'll do a little bit of an intro and tell us your story. Uh, or a little bit of your story, because I think stories are really interesting. They're really informative and they they uh, inspire other people. So you use this great expression about how valuable your story was. What, what was it you said? Well, it's the most important thing. I learned that it was the most important thing because it makes you unique. It makes you the person you are and it connects you with other humans and the way that, if somebody's sitting in the cell and they want to know the story so they connect with the humanness of this place, not that it's just a salon or academy or whatever, it's really important that they absolutely are taken by the story. And, yeah. you know, everyone's is different. Yeah. And I don't know if people picked up on it because you just quickly glossed through it, but part of your story was that you were a 15-year-old kid and you went and got a haircut and you sat there getting your haircut and thought, wow, what an amazing experience. This is what I want to do for a living. And that's a great story, yeah. that, that defining moment where you, you realise that these are my people, this is my tribe, this is what I want to do, this is, this is where I belong. And I think that you're lucky when that happens because not everybody gets, you know, that sort of... Uh, you know, eureka moment. I did as well, where it completely blindsided me. I had no intention of being a hairdresser, but, you know, I had this, this moment again yeah. as a client getting my hair cut where I thought, this is great. I, I, I want to do this. This is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very important. i tell you something. What, what, what happened uh, is that later on in life, I realized and I teach my guys, my, all the people at the work for us, what, a, what, what, incredible influences we are because that guy was the biggest influence on my life that cut yeah. my hair because it was life-changing yeah exactly yeah yeah everyone's there for so, a reason aren't they and and at the time you don't even yeah. necessarily know the reason why you meet them but yeah he, he set you on a path no. so that's yeah. fab fabulous now um we need to get this out of the way uh not that we need to get it out of the way but i need to address it and it's that um i've known you for a very long time uh i don't know you well but i first met you when i first started hairdressing in 1978 and you had a, a weekend haircutting school that used to travel around New Zealand. And, and, uh, and I would go and see you and, and hang off your every word. And I was, you know, very influenced and inspired by you as a hairdresser. Do, do you want to talk to us a little bit about something that I, if someone said to me, what would you say it, it sums up, Paul? I, I, I would say that, well, he is consistently tried to elevate, or not just tried to, has elevated the craft of hairdressing. Why is that so important to you? What is it about you that drives that in you? Because that was the person that I met 40 years ago was this young guy in his 20s. Uh, and I was at the beginning of my 20s. You were probably mid-20s. And even then, you had this real passion for education and for elevating what the industry was all about. So talk to us about that. Well, what happened was, I, like I said, I trained and trained and trained. And when I lifted my head up from time to time, I would get invited to go and inspire and teach salons around the country. So I decided to turn it into a business as I do with everything that I tend yeah. to do. And um, it was, it was, 
I just wanted to uh, impart what I'd learned to as many as I could. And the biggest point of that for me was when I started as a hairdresser, as passionate as was and as much as I loved it, it was not considered a real profession. And mm. I wanted to make it in New Zealand, kept lifting it up. And the most amazing thing for me, for me living in New Zealand was I could see, we were like the face of a fan. I could see the rest of the world and what they're all doing, those standout hairdressers around the world, and, and go, well, I like that bit, and I love that bit, and I love that, and make, to make what you're doing. And you see their failures, and you see what you think, what you think, what you feel they're doing have done wrong. But, you know, it's... Um, it's, it's been great for that, you know, because I felt like we were at the bottom of the world watching everyone. No one's watching us. We're just watching everyone. So it was, again, an amazing experience. Yeah. And, so, you know, I've, I know from, you know, over the years, uh, you know, following you uh, professionally that you have won you know, multiple awards, you know, in, in, you know in, at the beginning for your hairdressing ability. Um, I just wanted to ask you, how important are awards to you and, and are they becoming less important in this day and age? Um, I, I, I did it for our, for our brand. I did it for the brand. I did it for the company. I did it because I felt that um, I, I remember one day questioning, who wants to look at your work? Mm. You know, and then I think, you know, who really wants to look at your work? But then I thought, I look at work, you have to excuse me, because I say sometimes I look at work and I go, this sh- all the shit that I'm having to look at. I, yeah. you, know, I'm, you know, put your mouth where you put your money where your mouth is. You know, put your own collection out. So yeah. from a young age, I started to photograph, to get photos and do them, because that's what I'd seen from overseas. That's what they were doing. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was great because I had I had lots of people to that I could watch and think, well, they were great and learn from that way. But I think as a hairdresser, so awards, awards, yeah. So no, sorry, carry on. Awards for me, yeah. Awards for me. Uh, I I was in the day of awards. You know, it was like, um, you know, there were, there was, in New Zealand, there was quite a few hundred people would enter. Uh, today, those things are like, you're lucky if you get uh, as many as there were finalists in our day enter, yeah. you know. So it's, it's like it's petered out a bit. It doesn't yeah. have the, it doesn't have, you know, like it, it would be amazing for your business when you win. Mm. You would notice an uptake. You know, so all of those things were, were, were drivers, I feel. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's my thoughts on that as well. I think that one of the things that's made that happen is the age of social media, that these days a lot more people are putting their work up online on Instagram or whatever, and their award yeah. is the recognition they get, the amount of followers they get. You know, that, that is where they get yes. their... That's yes. where they get their feedback. That's where they get their endorsement. And I'm not saying that's a yes. bad thing, but I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, I, think, uh, um, I think everyone still loves to get an award, but I think they're maybe a little bit less relevant now than what they were 20 years ago. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that evolves. Um, one of the things that I've always admired about you in business is that, that word I just said, evolves. You, you have never stood still. You constantly evolve as, as, a, as a creative entity, not just doing hair, but, you know, you originally built your, your reputation around your ability as a hairdresser. Uh, but recently, and you touched on this in the intro, recently you transitioned into teaching business. Just talk to us a little bit about what inspired you to do that. I know you said it was during the the, the, the crash. So I'm assuming you're talking about 2008 when the, you know, economy tanked. Uh, talk to us about that part of your journey where you really, you know, went headlong into becoming uh, a, a business ambassador. And I know you traveled the world teaching business to salon owners. So, um, yeah, tell us your thoughts about that. I've, I've 
like I said, I went into a depth learning, learning, learning. And as I was learning, I was writing all this, all this stuff that I love. And I don't look at any hairdressing businesses. I looked at the big, uh, what do you call, uh, what do they call 500, um, Forbes 500. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I looked at them and, and I would write and I got another person, Peter, who, I, um, who was the husband of the CEO of our company at the time, and he was, he was a good writer. So I would talk, he would write, and we together wrote these uh, 12 modules, um, and we – so we used to do it. I used to do it once a month over a year, mm. which we turned. Then we do it now. We do it as a a, a, tw- a four four modules a day, and we do it over three days. And then we have online training for um, in the e-learning, but to go more in depth. But it's that part of it. I just felt that I needed so. Again, once my knowledge, I wanted to impart it. I've always thought of myself a bit like a, a bottle that you empty it out and then you want to, so you can fill it up again, you know, mm. because your past is your past. But for me, I'm a present and future person, not a past, you know. I'm not, I'm not wanting to live in the past. Yeah. You know, I want to be relevant to what's going on. And so consequently, I, you know, want to employ people around me who I feel are relevant today. You know, yeah. it just it's very important the people you have around you. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's it's one of the things I've always loved about the hairdressing industry is that it keeps you young because essentially it is it a is. young person's industry. And by surrounding yourself with younger people, it it makes you evolve as a as a human. It makes you question the things that you think are are beautiful. It makes you question the the, the way you work, the standards you have, you know, and, and why do you do what you do? Because just because something was right 10 years ago, 20 years ago, doesn't mean that it's right today, you know, obviously. Um, yeah. Let, I can tell you my, um, my mantra, my mantra every day yeah. is for me and business is what got me here won't get me there. Yeah. Exactly. Good one. What? Uh, let's talk so, about your so business. It's for a always bit. trying to renew everything. Yeah. Sorry, we're 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 overlapping a little yeah, bit with right. the time the time lag. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about your business. How many how many salons do you currently have? How many staff do you currently have? Because I know that's up and down over the years. Um, so so what? Where are you currently in business? Well, you in the intro you spoke to me about my partner. Now, I took him on to, you know, because he said to me, look, Paul, you've got this great business, you know, I think, you know, you've got the academy, you've got all of this. I think you need to, you know, to have open salons. So we opened a half a dozen salons. We opened a day spa, but it wasn't, I, I never wanted to be, being again, I'm very careful with the brand and I, was, and I never wanted to be this multi-salon person. So I started pulling them back, you know, purposely just pulling the ones that back and wanting to make three amazing in our city, uh, quite large salons, 3,500 square feet, uh, uh, 25 seaters, you know, so it was, it, it, they were quite large for here. And Mm. um, so rather than have a lot of salons, I wanted to make sure I kept the quality much more. Um, and because, I, I mean, I don't know if your audience know of the, which one of our greatest brands is the All Blacks. I felt that I had the All Blacks in hairdressing, you know, that team that was going out there just punching it away. You know, they were all, we were, we were there as a really tight unit. Mm. So... Our culture was amazing. Our, you know, our values were amazing. So it was great. Yeah. You seem to have been one of the first people, and I'm thinking I might have this completely wrong, that this was because of your name. Uh, And I don't know if you realise where I'm going with this, but you opened a business called the Barber of Seville, 
uh, and you know you were lucky to have that name Seville, and you were one of the very first people yeah. anywhere who started reinventing the barbershop. Um, do you do you still have yeah. those the Barbara Seville? No, we started to franchise them, and once we got to half a dozen, we actually decided. I decided. I'm putting as much thought and energy into these, and they're yeah. great. Uh, so what we did is we sold them off to the franchise people, and yeah. uh, it, it's it, 10 years after that, it's like got a crazy boom, and we train a lot of barbers in our academy, but yeah. we don't have any barber shops anymore. It was, you know, and because I was very tight on our blueprint of how we wanted it done and we only wanted men cutting men's hair and we wanted it to be a safe space for men and where men yeah. can be men and and uh, we would, you know, like it was very difficult to get your quality barbers that's all, so Yeah, well you, you did it well I mean, I, you know, travel a lot and, uh, and I, I was sort of thinking about that sort of business model myself and and when I, I was in Auckland once and I saw what you'd done with it, and I thought, wow, that is the future of, you know, the industry in terms of barbering. It was reinventing the barbershop. And uh, I, I thought you did a fantastic job of it. And uh, uh, calling it the Barbara Seville, I thought was a bit of a, a masterstroke as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, what, what do you, you know, you've sort of alluded to this uh, when you just touched on franchising and stuff. Uh, what do you think about, the changing business models that you see in the industry today, uh, particularly the, the, the rise of the sort of independent contractors and the salon suites and all that sort of stuff. How's that impacting on your yeah. business? What are, your, uh, what are your thoughts about that? I don't know if you've seen Urban Butterfly in LA, yeah. um, but that business was, you know, suites. They did really well. Um, I think they did it very well. Um, I, you know, it was it inspired me, but it wasn't me. <laughs> so I, you know, like I've stuck to what I what I like and what I want, how I want to do it. But I've told other people about it who I feel would like to probably have gone down that sort of path. I don't have. I'm I'm the sort of person that's not really uh, wants to be want to be negative about anything. In in ways people do things, some, you know, some people, so the way people market themselves, mm. it's like I can look at it and think it's, it's not how I would want to do it, you know, but you admire that they've done what they've done in their little, in their marketplace really well. Yeah. So, you know, everyone to their own, you know, so. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to view it. There's there's enough out there for everybody, and I'm a bit the same with that with the salon suite thing. It's not necessarily how I want to work, or what I want to go into as a client, but I recognise it as being a business model that is very right for the times for certain people, and I dare say for some some uh, well for plenty of clients as well. Um, so your business model that you have in the salons. Is that an employee-employer relationship or are some of them self-employed? How does that work? No, we, we're just exactly how you said. Employer, employee, um, privately owned. We're not, we're, not, we're not franchised. We're not, you know. Um, I'm not saying we wouldn't be in the future. Somebody could come along and buy us out one day and yeah. open, you know, 500 of them or whatever, you know. <laughs> I don't know. So everybody to the way they want to do it, you know, but this is not how I wanted to do it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No, and, our, we have a very core people, a lot of people, a lot of our staff have been with us 15, 20 years, you know, so it's, it's great, you know? Yeah. Um, at the beginning, you said that you opened your first salon or you started hairdressing when you were 15, which is very young. Um, Mm. At what point did you know it was the right time to open a salon? When my boss decided to leave and go and live somewhere else and open up a, a salon somewhere else, yeah. I decided to buy him out. 
and go for it. So I took my first loan of $5,000 and took over the salon, you know, which was a big one for me then. So, you know. Yeah, I'm sure it was. So how, how old were you at that point? And then, and, and then, my, and then my, my second, I think I was, uh, well, I was under 20. I was, yeah. It was before I finished my apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, I, the second salon, which was the boys that arrived from Sassoon's, uh, they, um, they were, I liked the way they cut. So I, because so I used to watch everyone. I used to walk into everyone and go into every salon and, and, and talk to them and, you know. And uh, I said to them, look, I'd like to leave my salon put it under management. I don't really want to go back there and work. I want you to, I'd love you to train me. I'll work for nothing. So they said, okay, well, this will take, it'll take six to nine months to train you. And so I did that. And my friends were saying, they came to visit me and say, you look like an apprentice. I said, I am, you know? So that was, that was a really important. It was the other salon that financed me to be able to work for nothing. Yeah. So that was my second salon. So I had two salons before I was 21. And I think that was, that was Crimper's when you, so I wasn't sure when I, I wasn't sure if it was mid-70s that I met you or late 70s. Uh, it was definitely late 70s. I, I started hairdressing in right. 1978. Uh, so, uh, and uh, I met you within the first couple of years. So what's the key to, successful expansion because you now have quite a an empire and i know you've never been afraid to close businesses like you've just alluded to you know that you've you closed the barbershop uh, side of things or you know sold it off or whatever um and you've opened salons under different names you've had at one point i think you said six and so now you're you're back down to three what what is the key to expanding successfully a business model um, I think uh, it's a, it's today. I think it's you have to be very careful about how you do it, and I think um, you must be a good brand to you know. Like you look at McDonald's, for instance. McDonald's, mm-hmm. you go anywhere in the world, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Sassoon's is probably still the only company in the world that has stayed true to where they used to be, as I knew them. Everyone else has branched out a bit and, and, and watered down what they had. Uh, people like um, Mark Hayes and, and um, you know, they've just had some, yeah, they've had yeah. solid people through the years that have just kept the name and kept the brand with the essence, the cult, the values and everything in it. I think it's really important. So the first thing to opening a business is you must have a good culture. You must have a good values. You must set the foundations before you even start mm. the building of your salon. So you can't, you have to get the people together that are going to be, believe and want to come on your journey with you um, and know that, you know, they're going to have a great journey because, and that's part of the culture. Their language and their actions really show the culture. Yeah. How, how do you create that? As, a, as an owner, how do you create culture? I mean, if I walked into your uh, salon or your school today, it has a culture, like every business has a culture. Um, it's really just a matter of whether it's a culture you've developed yourself or it's a culture that's just evolved over time. And sometimes it's not always a good culture when, when that's happening. No, no, so, so, no. so how do you, how do you create the culture that you want? Uh, you've got to put a stake in the ground for a start. I had a culture that was organic and it just, it had formed because I was the leader of that of that culture I was there every day I was leading the leading by example and I feel that you know uh, when I really uh, really thought hard about it and really looked at the culture um, later on I was decided and the first move I made was I had uh, I put a CEO in, in, in running the business now 
she would go to a salon and uh, we had one guy who was the top earner in the company. And he showed no respect to her with the rest of the team there because he was the man. Mm. And I realized that's not the culture I want. He took him aside, brought him in, and I said to him, (laughs) so-and-so, I have to say to you that if you don't respect the person I put in charge, I can't have you working in the company. Mm. If you're going to show no respect because she is taking my message to you. And he said, Paul, I really love you, but I can't, I can't work with her. And I said, well, then you have to leave. And mm. he did. And today he'd be still doing the same thing. And, I, and, I, and what I knew was he would take his culture mm. and take it. The, the salon he went with, he's still with, and he'd still be doing the same thing, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's an important message that you've got there about leadership. You know, like the word leadership came up a couple of times or leader, you know, came up a couple of times in your answer to how do you create culture? And and a lot of it is about leadership, isn't it? It's about setting the example. It's about being prepared to put a stake in the ground. It's about saying that this is how we do it here. And, you know, if you're not a fit for it, then that's fine. But then this isn't a fit for you. So, yeah, good good insight into that. Um, So I found that that some staff members, they get in the way of you going forward. Yeah. And other situations in business, it's often the boss who's in the way of it going forward, the leader, and he doesn't know it or she doesn't know it. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's an important thing. I mean, you sort of alluded to, to a, a character trait of someone a minute ago, and you said that they'll still be doing the same thing. And, and I think I said earlier on that one of the things I've always admired about you and your business and your work behind the chair when you were actively behind the chair is that you've always evolved You've, you've never stood still. The way it was done 20 years ago isn't the way it's done anymore. And yet so many people get caught in that trap where you look at the 60-year-old version of them and they're still doing what the 40-year-old version of them did and we live in a different world. So, so what sort of advice do you give to people? Because it's easy to get stuck in that way of doing it. Because it's secure stuck and behind it's- the chair, stuck behind yeah. the chair, and uh, uh, what was once their passion is now their burden. Yeah, you know, and they have to their business is their ball and chain rather than their life's like they're making them a, a lovely lifestyle. And um, I think I one of the things that I do a lot is I see things when I visualize something. I visualize it to the end. You take a haircut, for instance. Mm. You walk behind somebody's chair. You talk to the person. You Over that consultation, you've already pictured what that's going to look like at the end. Well, I do that with everything. Mm-hmm. So I picture, I take my journey through to the end and look at all the hiccups that could happen along the way. So I do that before I start. And it's been a really great thing for me, mm. thinking about it a lot and then getting really passionate. It has to get inside me before I drive along with it, you know. So I have to a, believe in it. Yeah, it's that vision thing. It's the importance of having yes. a vision. And, and I, I love yes. that. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Stephen Covey, this great quote that he had in one of his books about uh, um I can't remember the title of it off the top of my head, but one of the steps that he has is start with the end in mind. And that's really what you're talking about, the importance of having a vision and the importance of knowing where you're going. So, yeah, okay. So the school that you have is a big part of your business. Um, Yes. Tell tell us about the school. I mean, when I knew you, you were doing, you know, like weekend traveling around the countryside. (laughs) It was was a Paul show. It wasn't a a big, you know, business like your school is now. Just give us an insight into what the school is all about at the moment. 
So in 1993, uh, what happened was we were seeing all our people would have to go off to a, a technical institute to have a month's training by yeah. hairdressers that had lost their passion, I would say. And they'd be bored out of their pants and come back, bored to tears and, and love to be back. So what happened was, again, above our salon, was a, there was a big space where open plan uh, business that just went under one night. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to turn that into our academy. And I did that. And for the first year, we did it just for hairdressers until we'd, we'd written, my, we wrote every hour uh, session for a year. And we, which was a book, quite a book, quite a thick book. And we uh, sent that to the government and the government accredited us to be a school that they would back, which means that they pay some of the students' fees. Okay. In New Zealand, education mm. is very important. So they've mm. always been so 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 uh, backed uh, education. So, um, but they they have a lot of criteria that you have to do. But we have gone from being a school that teaches hairdressing to now teaching makeup to teaching barbers, you know, and we've grown. And um, it's been uh, since that one room we have grown. We had a, the, the one before this was 27,000 square metres. <laughs> it was big. And then, we, then I decided that, you know what, we don't need hallways that are, uh, you know, 10, you know, five metres apart you know, five-metre grand hallways and big classes and big this and big that. We, we, I had I could started to realise that the dollar per square foot you're paying yeah. is actually, you know, so the latest school that we had, which is now four years old, um, it's just perfect. It's perfect. It's got, it's got like the salon up the front where they graduate into the salon and they cut the public. So they are then being hairdressers. So they, they're training, they're taking money, they're working it as a salon, um, but they have to work up to that point. Mm. So how many, how many people would you, would you have in there at any one time? How many students? Uh, we do, we probably do about 160 a year. Right. Okay. And we, it's, 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 Every, about every six weeks, we take on a class. So we have about, I think we have about 15 tutors. So it's, um, it's, it's yeah, great. It's we, uh, this one is, uh, yeah, this one is, we have a, it's three floors and, but the floor, three floors are quite open plan. So the head office looks down onto the, uh, the, the main part of the where everyone's training and then we have a building next door and then underneath is where all the tutors have their office so it's it's really it's really good and okay we turned yeah. half the car park into a garden <laughs> of course you did so okay. if you were advising a salon owner let's imagine you've got a salon that's doing a million dollars a year in in total revenue how much yes. of that million dollars would you suggest should be coming from retail? About 250. Right. 200 to 250. Right. So 20 to 25% of total uh, uh, revenue should be coming from retail. That'd be fantastic if, yeah. if, if you've got a business doing that. Very few of them do do that. Some do, without a doubt. Um, and they're the ones that are always more profitable because the, the margin and selling a bottle of shampoo, the profit margin in it is much bigger than the margin in doing a haircut in relation to the amount of time that you spend doing it. So, yeah, we have a we have a system in our salon that um, they have to cover eight things in their consultation, yeah. and their consultation is over that hour, not five minutes at the beginning. The con 
consultation is always coming back to the next stage and it can change. It starts with, you know, uh, image making to, uh, you know, already having what you want to, to produce, to give them, showing them the future. So they're going to make future bookings and then, how do they feel about their colour and talking to them about their colour. Okay, so you so, so now you we're gonna do your colour. So how do you know what shampoo do you use? Because I don't want you to use any shit shampoo that's gonna strip out that colour. You know, yeah. so we've got systems and things. We're very honest about the way we're, we're what I call doing our job today. Mm. The biggest mm. thing for me that's changed in the last 50 years is consultation. For me, for our group, because it's so powerful if somebody does it well, and we have proof every day that it's been done well. Yeah. So yeah. We, we work on a system that, we, that I started called MOST, which is Maximised Opportunity Sales Tracker. Mm-hmm. So it's seeing what the clients are all booked in with they can see the clients are all booked in that they can have haircut 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 and go home haircut and color 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 and shampoo and conditioner and and styling products so each person uh, you know you know we the way we set up we have colorists ready to go for for somebody who's do wants to do their job, not come back and I'll do your colour. We got to, we're going to have it. We're going to do it right now, you know. So it's an exciting journey for the client, rather than, you know, yeah, getting them to come back and. Yeah. Okay. Um, we need to start or look at wrapping up in the next sort of five minutes or so. Uh, I just want to ask you, what what would you say your biggest strength was? Personally, yeah, my my biggest strength personally is being a visionary, visualizing it, seeing it. Um, I see myself uh, very clearly now because when I went to school, I was not, I wasn't, I was a, I was considered dumb at school. <laughs> but I always thought I'm I was sure quite right. But I wasn't great yeah. at schoolwork. Yeah, I'm, you know, like I wasn't good at schoolwork. I was in, always in the bottom classes, you know. So, yeah. and I was always a, you know, a clown rather. You know. Anyway, so I, I can sit in a boardroom with accountants and lawyers and see things very clearly because I see everything in a picture. So. Mm-hmm. And I think that and being fearless, they go hand in hand and it really helps. Yeah. You know, not having fear to do stuff, not, have giving you, not giving yourself all the reasons why you're not going to, giving you all the reasons why you're going to. Okay. How do you stay relevant? How, how is it that after 40 plus years in this industry, you're as relevant today as what you were 20, 30 years ago. What's the key to reinvention? Having young people around you and mm. seeing and listening. Young, young people see things very clearly. Uh, a lot of older people get lost. Mm. You know, young people have a vision and seeing and, you know, listening to, you know, young ones. My wife and I run the business and she's a lot younger than me and she is my biggest critic, probably mm. like yours is. And yeah. it's it's good. She'll always uh, – she's, she's more relevant than I am when it comes to, you know, the fashion, you know, taking things to a little bit more to change and doing things differently uh, than – you know, and so again, it's good learning for me. Yeah, Teaching I agree. Things, yeah. yeah, I agree with that thing about you know surrounding yourself with young people, and that is one of the best things about this industry. I think it's automatically there's a lot of young people that work in it, and uh, as I said, it forces you to sort of you know question your beliefs and reevaluate all the time. You know why you do what you do. Um, what would you say is the biggest lesson? that you've learnt 
in life, not necessarily in hairdressing? What's a bit of wisdom that you'd like to pass on? That's a that's a difficult one. That's a light. That's a light one, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that's a. I think um, the biggest lesson that I've learned is is probably just be hungry for knowledge. Be hungry for knowledge and everything. If you have a business, learn about business. How many hairdressers who have businesses have been trained in business? If you're if you're passionate about hair and shots, be just just learn as much as you can because there's because there's a there's a a system and a and a you know pattern you follow to 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 get good at things. So it's yeah. it's really important to just you know learn all the time and yeah. and evolve. You know. Okay. So, what 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 do you wish that you were better at? What do I wish I was better at? A lot of things. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things. I, I you know, I, um, because I was so, I was quite, because I was very successful and very busy as a hairdresser, um, I, uh, I probably didn't spend, and I know I didn't spend enough quality time with my children. So now what I'm doing is I'm spending a lot of quality time with my two and a half year old and he's amazing. And I'm getting all the rewards that I could get. Um, And, you know, what you put in to something you get back. Mm -hmm. So right now, you know, I'm, you know, trying to learn more about myself all the time and improve my being trying to be more thought, you know, trying to think and be mindful of everything. And, and I feel that, you know, I know Christina, my wife, she's a, she's a, she's a young person that's going to snap, 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 make decisions and, and go for it. And, you know, and like, sometimes I drive her crazy because especially in the beginning of our relationship, because I, I want to sleep on it. So mm. I always say, if you never make a, a, a decision when you're emotional, uh, never, never, you know, think and sleep on it, think it out, and then communicate. You know, great communication is so important. Yeah, and you can't have great communication when you're emotional, and we're in an emotional business. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. We're emotional people, hairdressers. <laughs> so okay. So last thing, just before we uh, wrap up, last question is: you are very much a leader in the industry, and you maybe you know you don't like to sort of you know wear that mantle. Uh, but what I want to ask you about is: what's the most important thing you've learned about leadership? Listening and listening really well before I talk. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Because today, uh, when I went to school and didn't like it, I'd say to my father, I don't want to go to school. He'd say, well, you have to. It's just how it is. You have to. Mm. Today, if if my son said, I don't want to go to school, I'd ask questions. Why? You know, so it's all about asking lots of questions today to, to get, you know, to get the answers. And it takes quite a lot of questions to really find the answer. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. I find uh, people just love a good listener. So, you know, good. my mentor, Flint, that was what he was great at. Uh, he reminded me of my father because he listened. And sometimes when he would be so, there'd be so much space, silent space. Mm. And silent space is really important because mm. it's thinking. <laughs> yes, it is. And a lot of people get uncomfortable with it. You yes. know, so they feel like they yes. feel like they've got to put yes. some noise. They've got to put something into yes. the silent spaces. And it's <laughs> like hang talking on. for the person. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, hang on, the silent space is the important bit here. Okay. Yeah. Well, listen, we 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 need to uh start wrapping up. Where, where can people connect with you on Instagram or other social media channels to see what Seville's is all about? On a personal level, I, I don't have any social media now. 
I don't have Facebook. I don't have uh, Instagram. But the reason why is creatively I used to love Instagram, but I spent too much time hmm. uh, thinking about what I was going to post. Yeah. And it just started to do my head. And so we, so in, in the end, uh, you know, I, it wasn't good for me, and I felt that you know. So I so I haven't I haven't done a post in that for over a year, and uh, it's I um, I feel you know if you if if people want to get uh, to see us, it's just Seville's dot com or Seville, you know Seville's dot com will will give anything, anybody, any information they want about our business and probably myself. Right. Okay. So, All right. Well, I'll put that link on the uh, website, uh, growmysalonbusiness.com, and I'll also put it in the show notes for today's podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast with Paul and you've enjoyed it, then do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone uh, and share it to your Instagram stories. Paul will never see it, uh, but I will, (laughs) and I'd love to uh, get your feedback on it. So uh, to wrap up, uh, Paul, the last uh, 40 years, Uh, have flown by. Um, Thank you for being uh, my guest on today's Grow My Salon Business podcast and for uh, sharing your your wisdom and for letting me to ask all these questions of you. So, Paul Seville, thank you. It's great catching up after all these years. (laughs) It is. It has been. Fantastic. Thanks, Paul. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.